0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Carbajal, and weekly, we are brought to you by AllAccessMMA.com. Check out AllAccessMMA.com for our video podcast, MMA News and Stories. This week, we have the pleasure of welcoming young Team Quest fighter, John Brumley, to the show uh we've had several fighters from team quest uh join us on the podcast and we're moving on to another one so john thanks for your time appreciate you coming on with us thank you guys for having me i'm super excited
1: hey so uh i was checking out your highlight this morning when i gave you the follow as we were uh i was doing my homework on you for for recording this um Mm -hmm. dude like you're you seem like you're pretty well was was that the work of the editor or are you that good with the (laughs) With the with the with the striking and the submissions, I'm like you seem pretty well rounded. I,
2: I I train as constantly as I can. That's why being injured right now is a little bit of a hassle. But when I'm when I'm on and I'm physically ready and mentally ready, I'm always in the gym day in day out. You know, two to three practices a day. Uh, I, I live in here. You know, I started training when I was about fourteen, um, and it's just been a constant uh, constant uh, journey to improve. I'm I'm obsessed with this sport. Um, funny enough, you know, I, I fought February before that. I fought a super tough undefeated guy and a winner of that got a state title shot. Um, I, I fell short in that one, but then it took six months to get another fight until August. And, you know, I was super healthy, felt fine. I sparred the day after that fight. And it was hmm. just six months of, of constantly grinding, four, three, four fights falling through, opponents backing out. And finally I landed that one. And I just knew it was my that was my one shot to show out and really show my improvements. Um, that's my base. I love striking. I love jujitsu. I'm confident anywhere it goes um that's the biggest thing is I love to stand there and trade the problem is whenever I hit people uh they don't want to stand with me but that's where my jujitsu comes into play so I think the whole fight lasted a minute so to to be able to do all that in a minute was was pretty cool I was proud of myself I wish it went a little further just because like I want as much cage time as I can while I'm still an amateur but it'll all translate when I go pro so I was happy about it but you know the wins only last so long I'm I'm ready to get back into training, get back into grinding, and get another fight. I want to go pro uh, hopefully soon by next year and really start making my way to the UFC.
0: You know, when I met you, your enthusiasm really stepped out to me as far as um, a good attitude. You know, you've had some ups and downs in, in your amateur oh, career starting off. Mm. Um, you mentioned starting at 14 years old. You know, when you got mm. old heads like me and Ed who who have been following the sport for longer than you've been alive, to be honest, yeah. um, I always like <laughs> to ask the guys that kind of – um, came up with the sport already a thing um, you mentioned being 14 years old when I was 14 years old if I had mentioned this to somebody they would have thought I was the most insane person to ever walk the planet um, oh yeah <laughs> what what was it at 14 where you went like I want to go fight or or what was it were you were you kind of an aggressive kid growing up what was it that made you want to to do this
2: it, it's honestly a really funny story I always say fighting found me I didn't find fighting. Uh, growing up, I was actually a really quiet and reserved kid. I have like major ADHD. So as a kid, I was like super to myself and like, I was just kind of a shy kid. I wasn't super social. And as the years went on, I I was still kind of super reserved. It was when, uh, my dad passed when I was 10, I got super upset. Like I was just a very angry kid. I was, I got more aggressive, more hostile towards people. And then I also turned to food. So I was an angry little fat kid. So I I just had nothing going for me. And I, I was super upset with how my life was. I was getting bullied a lot. And finally, I decided I wanted to try and lose weight. You know, I start there. I started dieting like crazy, exercising like crazy. And uh, eventually, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go into football. And that was the worst snake of my life. High school football is is terrible. You will get injured 100%. <laughs> and I, I blew my back out terribly. I, I got super hurt. And it was like a nine-month recovery period to where I'm, I'm, you know, 14 going on 15. And I, I need something to do. That's where I actually uh, – I met Mason mm. in high school. So I've known him for – you know, 10 plus years. I, he's my roommate, my best friend. I've known him since we were kids. And he's who got me into this. He's like, well, hey, man, why don't, why don't you check out Dan Henderson's gym? That's where I'm training right now. I, I go in, you know, first day I get my ass handed to me and it, I got my ass beat. And it was funny because I was like, that sucked. But like, I want to learn how to do this. You know, why not learn how to defend yeah. myself and, and make it something? Funny enough, my uh, my uncle uh, is Chris Lieben. He's, he's uh, married into my family. So I've always been around it. My dad was a giant UFC fan when I was a kid. I just remember being super young. He'd have on WEC, Strike Force. I didn't know what I was looking at, but I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I, I, it's, it all just kind of came full circle. Uh, eventually, when we had Sam Alvey here, he was our head MMA coach. And uh, I kept training and training, begging him to fight. I was like, I just really want to fight. I really want to give it a try. Hmm. And I started doing uh, some St. Pancration fights. And that's where I really got hooked on it. It was just that that energy and that atmosphere of making that walk to the cage, all those eyes on you. And it was the first time where like I didn't feel upset, I didn't feel angry. I felt this release of endorphins and stress. And I didn't. Funny enough, I didn't win that fight either. I went out there and I got hip tossed by like I think the kid was like ranked number three as a youth national champion. I fought like the toughest kid I could fight immediately, <laughs> but it was something about it that just it, it it made me feel normal. It made me feel alive inside and. I just knew right from there, like, this is what I want to do. I, I immediately just dedicated all of my time, all of my effort into training. Even when I first started my mom, you know, my mom and parents, they weren't super supportive. My stepdad and my mom were like, Oh, why do you want to do this? And I got my first job at a pizza place just to get my first paycheck and come straight here and go to Ashley Yoder and, mm-hmm. and pay my first month. And the rest has <clears just throat> been history. It's, it's a sport. I just know it is meant for me. It's, it's, I've been able to grow up and mature through this sport, and I'm, yeah. I wouldn't trade it for the world, all the ups and downs, all the injuries. I've had a rough amateur road. I, I won my debut and then was like, well, I just want to keep going, and I just fought some of the toughest dudes I could have been thrown at, which honestly is why I'm, I'm at where I'm at now, fighting all those tough guys and being in the room with such, such tough guys like Trevor Mason, Jeff Creighton. It's, it's molded me into a very dangerous amateur. My record ain't pretty. But I've been doing this for a long time, and I've only fought the toughest of the toughest guys. So a lot of these up-and-coming guys, amateurs, or you know, they're undefeated. It's funny when they say no to fight me, or somehow the fight doesn't materialize. But they're fighting debuters, they're fighting guys losing records, they're fighting guys they know they can pair their record with, or guys see me and they see my record and they're like, oh, I can beat this guy no problem. And then I go out there and I do what I do. It's a it's a nice little hiding point because it's 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 hard but easy to get fights here and there.
1: Hey, that's great, man. I mean, it's it's funny how I mean it's not the first story I've heard how somebody got some sort of injury and that's how the, the injury kind of pushed them into combat sports. My oh, yeah. my, jiu- yeah. my jiu- jiu-jitsu instructor is actually the same thing. He tore his pec. he was a competitive yeah. power lifter, and then he got into then now he's a now he has his own business where he teaches and trains on fighters and does jujitsu. Um yeah. do you think uh, do you think as as somebody like yourself that that's as young as you are Came into the sport like Matt said, as as a as a current generation enthusiast, and then competing and fighting. Eventually, going to go pro. Do you think like stories like that aren't told enough? Because, like it, like as a young person did this, the stuff you hear around you. Do people still kind of uh, look at the sport negatively? I feel like it's already crossed the threshold.
2: You know, it's funny you say that, and I actually talk about that a lot with people. I think there's mm-hmm. one. Small issue with, with fighting right now, and it's not a bad thing, it's good for the sport. The sport is growing because MMA is still mm. super young as a sport, yeah. you know, it's it's the youngest sport to like take off. I think the biggest thing right now is that MMA is so ingested by mainstream media that you get a lot of guys that just look at this sport and they're like, Oh, I can do this, you know, I can hop in and get mm. this going, and they don't understand that it, it takes years, it takes years of working and training and repetition and, and constant, con- a constant flow of training to even be able to do what I did in my last fight that's years of that's not a month that's not a few months of training that's years of repetition years of fighting and and I I never talk about my story but I definitely kind of had a bit of a, a rockier road getting here you know at 17 you know while I was training um I left my parents house and I was on my own for a little bit mm-hmm. and I, I was you know couch hopping uh, I was going from friend to friend, Santa House, asking for rides to practice, asking for rides to the gym, still doing pancration fights. I remember getting made fun of a little bit in high school because uh, I was in high school when I had one of my pancration fights. I was 16, and I was using one of my buddies on the wrestling team uh, in our weight room class. I was using him in the hallway to drill positions and drill stuff, and everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? You look so stupid. You know, they're like, oh, you look like an idiot doing this. And now fast forward, all those people are like, oh, I can't wait for your next fight. And I'm like, well, where was that when I was – being a goofball in the high on the hallway, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a sport. I think that it'll definitely weed out the week, you know, as a kid having to kind of come up the way I did, you know, I remember getting my car back and I was living in my car, my senior year of high school, sleeping in this gym parking lot. I would shower here. I would go to school. I would get food. I'd come train. And I, I just remember (laughs) kind of having to go through living situations Mm -hmm. and money situations, and doing everything I could to put fighting first, to put training first, to no matter what, be in here training. You know, there'd be days where, you know, dinner was rice and ketchup. And as long as I was able to go to train the next day, I was happy. Um, and unfortunately, what I see right now is, especially on the amateur circuit, is a lot of guys, maybe they're older than me or they're younger, but they come in and they have all this hype around them. They're, they're undefeated, but they're not doing it smart. They're taking mm-hmm. easy fights. They're taking easy roads. And it's giving them a false sense of confidence or ego. And then they go out there and they get smashed by a good guy or they fight Mm -hmm. a veteran guy and they don't do as well. And the thing that I preach to my amateurs that are up and coming on our team is you better take the tough fights and you better be in here because it doesn't get easier. It only gets harder. And especially as a pro, the rules are different. the, The time is longer. The danger, the fact of danger is way, way higher Because refs are going to, you know, refs won't step in when you get knocked down and kind of save you. They're going to let you get hurt. They're going to let you keep going. Mm -hmm. And it's, this is just a sport that as a person, it's helped me mature and realize that, you know, life ain't fun. Life isn't fair. And it's, uh, it's what you make of it. And this sport is what you make of it. And if you truly put in time and effort, you will get there. It'll Mm -hmm. be rocky. Being a fighter sucks. You know, I wanted to be a vet when I was 10 and now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm paying bills, but I'm getting by and it's, you have to suffer before you can breathe uh, in this sport, and that day will come. That day will come when you can sit back and realize, okay, it finally paid off. I'm getting paid. I'm getting fights, mm-hmm. but you got to you got to go through the trenches yeah. just to even get one bit of air. And I'm I'm all for it. I I don't shy away from that. I I welcome any challenge. I welcome the adversity my career's thrown at me. It's allowed me to honestly have kind of a crazy life in terms of meeting the people I've met, training with the people I've trained with. I remember being 18 years old. <laughs> I was working for AT&T and they flew me out to Ohio for two weeks and the gym right next to my uh, hotel was strong style. And I'm 18, you know, I'm an MMA nerd and I got, I got to train with Stipe uh, for two weeks right before he fought DC for the first time. And having that, having that opportunity for two weeks of having that guy, like I was in the same room as him and having him coach and and be a part of his classes. I was like, this is what, this is exactly what Mm. I want to do. Traveling, fighting, meeting these top people. It's, it's such a dream that I can feel slowly, slowly yeah. inching its way into my reality. So I'm all, I'm excited.
0: Well, I can tell you right now just hearing you say that like the maturity coming out of your coming out of you and, and the and just the positivity and yet knowing that there's always going to be ups and downs. It's something oh, that yeah. you don't hear from a lot of younger fighters mm-hmm. if, if you want to be honest. A lot of people are believe their own hype as opposed to like <laughs> oh, this yeah. is a process that's going to get there. So you mentioned oh, yeah. training, you mentioned being around Stipe. You're at one of the most uh, famous fight teams to ever compete in this sport. I grew up watching Dan Henderson fight, um, in pride and and in UFC early on. Um, obviously Ashley Yoder, seen her fight several times. You got, uh, you know, Joe Stevenson's around there. You mentioned Sam Alvey. Um, when you, when you step into, when you, when you show up there, is there, do they tell you about the history? Were you already aware of the history of team quest? Because, like you said, you, you got top teams, you got Shoot a box, you got Team Quest, you got Pat Militech, but there's not really, like, you're, you're one of the, the Hall of Fame te- fight teams of all time. Do they teach you the legacy and, like, what they expect from you when you become a Team Quest fighter?
2: You know, actually, kind of, no. When I first started fighting, I, I knew nothing, and that made me uncomfortable. So I, I became a full-blown <clears throat> nerd. I got obsessed with fighting, with lineage, knowing my history. And the cool part about coming to this gym is I got kind of lucky. I actually got to come here during the peak of when this team started like really blowing up, back when Dan was still active. Sam Alvey was in the room. Fieri Sokaju was in the room. Luke Rockhold was mm-hmm. making appearances. And I got to grow up watching these practices and realizing how deep our lineage goes. You know, back when Frank Lester was here, Jason Mayhem Miller was here, Krzysztof Soszynski, knowing that this team has had some of the toughest and most brutal killers step on the same mats as me. And I've been able to be fortunate to come to every single practice, watch every pro practice, follow every guy coming through our team. And it's been, it's been crazy just to see how deep these roots go. I mean, there's, there's a team quest Portland. You got Chill Sonnen up there and it's, it's, it's crazy because I've always wondered what it would be like to be, training during that time and I just know it was a way more brutal time. Yeah. The the training mm-hmm. was tougher, the rooms were way tougher. Uh it was always, even back when my striking coach Tarek Safkney was active. You know, you had Tarek, you had Dan, um you had Vinny Magalese uh, on these mats. And it's it's crazy knowing that somehow it all makes a full circle. Um being able to be taught by these guys, having those guys in the same room as me. I even got Dan standing right next to me right there talking <laughs> some business. But it's a, uh, it's truly oh crap. It's truly crazy to see how how deep and rich in history my uh, my gym and my fight team has and I'm really fortunate about that. You know, I I get to really show uh I get to really be shown who and what I'm representing when I'm at this team. The lineage team Quest has. I remember back when uh, even before Trevor and Mason were pro on the amateur scene when our amateur team was huge, it was a feared name. It was hard to get fights. We would have I would I remember they would have to lie on their camo profiles and on their pro profiles and not list gyms, not list mm. coaches, because guys wouldn't want to fight <laughs> us because of our wrestling.
1: Mm. You know what's funny? You're talking about, um, especially you. You're you're 24 years old, and you're you're. You just said that you uh, you tell the other people on the on the team that are coming up to take the hard fights, get as many amateur fights as you can. There's a oh, time yeah. where there's there's a, there's there's a weird like thought out there. That people think they can do one or two amateur fights and jump go pro, no, which is obviously no. yeah, no, obviously no. a mistake. I mean, uh, what you're doing, I mean, uh, you and and uh, Mason and, and a couple of other fighters. I talked <laughs> to a lot of fighters since I've um, t- been covering the sport. Um, like uh, Jose Shorty Torres comes to mind. I mean, he yeah. he got almost 20 amateur fights before he yeah. even went pro, and you saw how far that got him. Um, what about the the experience, like, when when do you get the trigger that says now it's time for me to go pro? I mean, I, I know you told us off, off before we started recording, but just for the podcast, can just let people know.
2: I I think the biggest thing about if if anyone's listening that is an amateur, you you need to get beat up. You need to get yeah. your ass kicked. You need to be in here having tough rounds, being thrown around. You know, I uh, I think I'm fortunate enough because when I first started be, uh, training and being a new Emmy. I was in a very, very tough room. And going back to what you're talking about with Joe Shorty Torres, having Mm -hmm. all that amateur experience, it plays into effect. You know, amateur and pro, in a sense, is the same thing. And I'm only saying that is we're all putting in the same training and it's still a fight. You Mm -hmm. can, the amateur or pro, you can get messed up in there. But you got to remember, as an amateur, you're more protected. And that is the amateur uh, ranks and scenes is for that experience to kind of give you and show you confidence wise where you're at before you're going pro. And the biggest thing that I see is like you said, guys think they, they they get two knockouts in a row. Oh, they're good to go pro. Mm-hmm. Or they look at all these pro guys who had no amateur experience during the UFC. Well, they don't realize they didn't have that opportunity. All these young, all these veterans, all these hardcore guys, all these top five, top ten guys, they didn't have amateur back then. It was only pro. They mm-hmm. didn't get that that luxury of being able to have a a choppy amateur experience and then yeah. they got to go pro and, and and fix it. It was straight into the fire for them. But, you know, when I was young on these mats, like a kid, I was, I was getting beat up by the likes of Sean Strickland, Chris Curtis. They would, they would come to our amateur practice, and they would literally tell us, hey, we're going to spar with you guys, and we're not going to take it easy. We want to see how you guys do. And I was getting dropped left, right, and sideways, body shots, takedowns. Sean Strickland being the crazy psycho he is, having that, <laughs> having that guy in the room was, was terrifying. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where I would say you'll know when you're ready to make that jump. When your coaches start having that conversation with you. Mm. But the biggest thing is when you stop losing your rounds, when mm. you're competing on these mats, when you're bettering guys that were bettering you, when you're hanging and competing with some of the toughest guys in the room. You may not be losing all, you may, you may not be winning all of your rounds, but you're competing. If you quit in here, you quit in that cage. And yeah. once you come to a point where you're no longer quitting, you're truly in that stubborn, I'm going to win this round mindset and you're yeah. able to translate that into your amateur fights, that's when it's time to make that jump. There's no there's no rush to, to go pro right away, and that's what I had to realize as a young kid. When I was 19, I won my debut in 40 seconds. I got a quick sub of the night. I dropped the guy, and I was like, I need that feeling again. So I just took fight after fight after fight, not processing that. You need to take time in between. You need to go back and adjust. Just because you win a fight doesn't mean you're invincible. It doesn't mean there's not still stuff to work on. You, you need to be enveloping yourself in the suck as much as possible. It only gets harder. The training only gets harder. I'm in here. It, the, I'd say the biggest thing that I've seen is that I train in Vegas a lot. I go to Extreme Couture. My grandma nice. lives in Vegas, so I'm always there. Oh, you're and so the, lucky. The, the, <laughs> the, yeah. The <laughs> rounds and the work at that gym, first of all, Eric Nixick is one of the nicest coaches I've ever met. I talk mm. to him all the time. I'm always you know letting him know when I'm coming down. But the work in that gym and the talent level you will see, I still get overwhelmed sometimes. I still feel like a kid, like, oh my God, look at, you know, I got Ion Kutalawa next to me. I got Brad Tavares next to me. I got Cody Stamen. I got Cody Garbrandt. I got uh, Magalev Ankalaev. Like, there are these, these, to me, legendary guys. I'm watching them rise and I'm next to these guys on the mat. And when you're able to be in practices like that and actually, you know, hang and not get your ass handed to you too much. That's when you can comfortably start making that transition. It's not a fast thing, it's a slow, slow transition. Because when you go pro, there's, there's no one in there but you, the ref, mm. and that fighter, that yeah. other professional fighter where the rounds are longer, elbows are legal, knees are legal, you can be totally covered in a crimson mask. And as long as you're still breathing, the ref's gonna let you fight. It you need to understand that the transition of the amateur to pro is you need to be prepared for anything. Amateur is way more cushioned, but as a pro, you have no idea what you're walking into. You can train, 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 but it's 50-50, and you need to be mentally okay with that, knowing I might go in and come out different than I was. (laughs) You know, (laughs) there there he is. uh, Breaking bones, tearing ligaments. Mason's a good example of this, too. Um, You know, I had had one fight. It was my third amateur fight. We're in all the same fight. I popped a bursa pocket in my elbow, broke my right hand. And uh, tore my Achilles, my uh, my uh, ACL, all in the f- all in the same fight, wow, I- in yeah. one fight, and I was an amateur. And I'm just thinking, like, imagine if I was pro and I had five minute rounds, still letting adrenaline try and coast me to a decision. Yeah. It's 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 a different animal. It's just a different animal. That's the best way I would say it. When you're ready to go pro, you will know. Your coaches will know. You mm-hmm. can just feel it. You you know you're ready for that next challenge, not that next step, that next challenge because it's it's a completely different ball game, and you just got to be mentally prepared for it.
0: Yeah, you know, you mentioned all... We talk about the amateur fights, and somebody who's been around and seen fights in different states and cities everywhere. Uh, A shout-out to San Diego MMA. Your location right here allows you to compete in epic fighting, which is one of the top amateur organizations in the entire planet. Um, You mentioned Vegas. Tough Enough is out there. I know Mason fought for them. Um, But uh, you're, you're, you're not... This is real amateur fighting. This is the top level amateur. This isn't some backyard fight club where you're no. just getting getting some practice no. in. Um, one of the things that people won't be able to tell just by watching or listening to this is the the natural physical attribute you have of being six foot two and <laughs> fighting right now at Walter weight. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about being a tall Walter weight. And is that if you go pro, is is 160, 175, or I'm sorry, 170 the weight that you want to fight? Or are you looking to go a little lower than that?
2: I was, I literally was just talking to Trevor about this before I got on this call. I'm in a very weird spot, funny enough. When I first got into fighting, you know, obviously I lost weight, but I didn't have any of the physical attributes I have now as being an athlete and really Mm -hmm. taking my training seriously. And I'm like kind of a tweener. I, I can make 170 on day of, no problem. I have to die a little bit. At worst, I cut five pounds. But I'm in this weird stage where I need to I need to make a decision. And if I want to go to 55, I'm going to be a big 55-er. Mm-hmm. The problem as an amateur right now is I'm either fighting maybe guys my, my height, but they're skinny, or I'm fighting short, stocky muscle heads. Uh, my, <laughs> my, very, my very third fight, I headlined for Epic. And I fought this dude who was like 5'9", but he was jacked. He missed weight. Uh, both of our opponents didn't show up and they're like, hey, look, you were supposed to fight in the prelims. Your guy's not here. His guy's not here. He missed weight, but you'll be in the main event. Do you want it? And I it was like, fuck, yeah, I want that. And I just remember I was doing well in the fight, but he was so strong. Like, I just mm-hmm. remember going like, damn, this sucks. So where I'm going to be at, it'll be decided kind of in these next few months, actually. Uh, while I'm I'm taking some time off, I'm, I'm lifting a lot more. I'm trying to add as much lean muscle to my frame. In between fights, I'm lifting. I'm in the gym trying to get as strong as I can Man. because eventually I'm either going to need to buckle down and get professional help and you know start making that road to 155, taking some catch yeah. weights at 165, mm-hmm. or I have to fill in. I have mm-hmm. to get bigger to stay at 170 because let's be honest, some of these pro welterweights are are massive. Look at me. I always uh, reference Michelle Pereira, who I've seen in person. And I'll be damned every time I'm like, how do you make 170? He's massive. There are guys that walk around. Uh, uh, Sean Strickland, again, another good point. When he was here, he would be well a little bit over the 200s, and I would see him kill himself to make 170. Yeah, Kill kill himself. Chris Curtis, same thing when he was fighting at 170. These are big dudes. 170 is big dudes or either slim athletic dudes. At 55, I would have height. I would have reach. But I'm giving up a bit more physical strength because at 55, you got look at Michael Chandler. Look at Michael Chandler. That dude yeah. is a physical specimen. Huh. And every time I look at him, I'm like, there's at first glance. If you didn't fight, you would not think this guy fights at 100. No, yeah, pounds. yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna have to make some choices. Most likely, when I go pro, I'm gonna try and take a couple 65s, which should be a division. I stand by that. Khabib's doing it. It should be a division. I would be a champ at that division. I would love huh. that weight because right now, even out of shape, I'm only 185. But I've, I've been heavy, though. There was a – when COVID hit especially. When COVID hit, you know, no fights were happening. I was just lifting. I actually ballooned all the way to 205. I was mm. jacked. It was it was absolutely awesome. We went out to Arizona and got to train with the lab for a, a little bit. I went to Benson Henderson's gym at uh, the lab. Uh, Jared Cannoneer was there. It was super cool. I yeah. felt strong rolling with Cannoneer. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, this feels good. And then there's a picture of us when we went to uh, Sugar's gym, uh, uh, Sean O'Malley and Tim Welch. And there's a picture of me standing next to Tim Welch I look jacked, but Tim's even bigger, and he <laughs> fights at 170, and I'm like, damn it, like I'm not there yet, but we'll yeah. see. Either I'm going to have to sacrifice and, and suffer and make 55, or I'm going to have to get as jacked as I can and go to 170 and, and mm. hopefully not get mauled by some of these huge dudes, but we'll, we'll see. I'm excited. I, I know if I can get my body where I want it, I can still compete at 170. I the weight doesn't matter. The weight will never matter for me. I just want to fight. I don't care who you are. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how scary you look. That doesn't win fights. Skills win fights, and I I aim to prove that every time I fight.
1: Yeah, you know what? Let me um. I want to share that clip if you don't mind off of the that you have oh, yeah on Twitter. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna share it on screen here for the folks that watch the video version of this because this is like again I saw it this morning and I was like I sent it to Matt. And I was like I was like yo, this kid's something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it was it was a because- fun one. If, it's it's crazy how it was a whole minute. I did all that in a minute, and I'm like I wish it went longer. I felt. Yeah. I was, I was I was actually almost ready to hit I was after my fight to Mason like I'm kinda down to hit pads right now.
1: I gotta mute it just so we don't get the copyright strike but Oh yeah. 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 But I just wanted to show it so folks that, that are watching this can see um mm-hmm. the clip. I mean you could tell you already switched mentally, got the mental switch on there, but oh, yeah. um the the thing that caught me out as as soon as you land the first I think it's he a wobbles. right hand. Yeah. I'm just funny like, enough shit. that
2: that first right hand he got me with actually kind of stunned me i was like oh shit he hits way harder than i thought right there i was like right oh, there yeah oh that God.
1: one right there and i was like wow and then of course like noticing it like like your 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 the, the body type you're you are they are they categorize the soma type as ectomorph and i was like yo he's mm-hmm. an ectomorph he's an oh, amateur yeah. and then watching this i was like he can hit and he can do submissions mm-hmm. and just watching you make the transitions on the ground here it's just uh it's just amazing stuff so as soon as i saw this i was like like, I mean, he, he, the only reason he went to the ground is because he didn't want, like you said, you landed those strikes and he yeah, didn't want any part of it.
2: it. It's actually kind of funny. The first knockdown I landed when he came up back to a knee in my brain, I was like, Oh, there's a knee right there. And then I remember, no, you're amateur. Don't do that. And then I tried <laughs> to hit him. It was the second knockdown where I knew he went unconscious. I saw his mm-hmm. eyes roll back. I knew he was out. So when I rushed at him, I didn't realize when he fell down and his head hit the canvas, he woke back up. So oh, wow. He grabbed, when he grabbed me, I was like, whoa, like, wait, oh, we're not done. And then I fell back to my guillotine, which I need to stop doing. That's a dumb habit. But I, I knew I'd be safe. Uh, I was able to work my way back to the cage. I knew as long as long as I could get to the cage and be out in the open, I'd be okay. You know, he was hitting me with some okay shots from the top. It was when I was able to lock in the arm bar, I knew I had it. He was turning yeah. the wrong way. And I felt. I just felt it pop. I got a picture on my Instagram where you can just see the arms completely oh, – wow. Yeah, completely stretched past its limits. Luckily, the uh, Chris Lieben stepped in and stopped it at a good time because all I felt was pop, pop, and then finally they stopped it. You know, I don't want to hurt anybody's career, but if I had to break his arm, I was like, damn, dude, I guess yeah, I, I have mean, to break your arm.
1: Because you don't want to be one of those, on the, those. I mean, we've seen it too many times where, where the guy stops to be nice, but the fight still goes and things turn yep. and wind up going the other way. So, I mean, you know, you, like the rules that they say it all the time, protect yourself at all times until the ref stops. Yep. It, so. That's definitely, again, have, that's more maturity.
2: Yep. I have one lovely piece of advice that I will never, ever, ever forget. Um, and it was, it was from uh, uh, Tim Elliott. I, I met him in Vegas in December of 2019 when I went down to train. It was before he fought. Uh, who was he getting ready to fight? Oh my God. It was Tim Elliott. Tim I think he was getting ready. I think, I think it was when he was getting ready to fight Demetrius. Joseph Benavides was out there. But Tim, oh, wow. Elliott, Elliott, Tim Elliott said, yeah, Joe Joe Benavides is the nicest the nicest guy I've ever met. He is such a nice, humble guy. But Tim Elliott said, "Just remember, you know, all those highlight videos you see, it's because you know no one wants to be made a highlight. Doesn't matter how cool you are, you can be friends leading up. I fought, I fought a teammate before. Like, no one wants to be a highlight. And you got to remember, you might feel a little bad if you do some damage to somebody. But if they could do the same thing to you, oh, they would in a heartbeat. 100%. Uh, you yeah. you, you got to make sure, like, if you see your opportunity, you better take it because mm-hmm. you know." Oh, I, I, my mom's not going to be crying. Your mom's going to be crying. That's all I can yeah.
1: say. I'm
0: not going to let my mama see that. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: you, uh, so before we start recording and you told me in the past, you, so you, you had your recent win and then you were mm-hmm. going to fight again, um, for Dan Henderson, for Dan Henderson's fight night, um, there at the gym. Um, mm-hmm. and, you, and I believe it was the f- night or two couple nights before the scheduled yep. fight. Um, yep. You suffered a pretty gruesome injury, right? Um, without getting too graphic here, uh, what uh, what what happened, and, and what's your recovery looking like?
2: I actually lied. Um, it was two weeks out, and I kept it hidden for as long as I possibly could. I uh, was training over in Oceanside, getting some extra rounds, and I was defending a double A against the cage. Mm-hmm. And it was a freak. It was just a freak accident. There was no ill will. I, I had a bunch of cool guys over at Coastal Combat giving me extra work. They had a lot of Southpaw wrestlers. And I was just defending a takedown, and I was balancing, kind of ballerinas balancing on my left foot, and the way the weight shifted, and the way <laughs> the universe saw it, my uh, ankle completely gave out. Uh, it exverted and introverted, um, or, or supinated, so it it uh, it wobbled a lot. Uh, nothing was torn, nothing was broken. I was very fortunate to come out of that like that. But wow. everything got sprained pretty bad. So luckily, it's not a major. It's a major injury but I'm going to be okay. I'll be strong. Yeah. Uh, it's just healing it up, you know, letting the spray yeah. feel up. I, mean, I actually, before I hopped on here, I was hitting legs today, first day back, hitting legs, pressing three plates. Uh, I'm moving a little bit, getting my footwork back. I've still been lifting and boxing like crazy. So my hands are going to be even crispier. I'm really excited about it. I'm actually oh, nice. super excited when my next fight is because I know my boxing will be even better because that's all I've been doing. So what I did was obviously I got hurt. I called Trevor right away and I was like, look, man, I I got I got pretty hurt. I don't know what's gonna happen. And I told him like do not say anything at all. I immediately was getting injections in my ankle. I was getting uh I was getting some PRP, you know, trying to help my ankle and my knee, doing whatever I could, doing therapy. And what I was planning to do was I was gonna get my ankle wrapped up as tight as possible. I was gonna let it go completely numb. Mm. And once the adrenaline kicks in when you're in back, you feel nothing. And I was gonna I was completely content with mm-hmm. going out there and fighting like that. I didn't mm. care, but, you know, I, that's just me being pig-headed, not wanting to pull out. I've never said no to a fight, and I have never pulled out of a fight. So the, the, it's a, there's a first for everything, but I remember they – you know, my coaches talked talking to me like, look, man, like I know you want to fight, but you got to be smart. You got to save yeah. your career. There's no point in – you got lucky with a sprain. You know, what happens if you try and fight, and then, uh, you know, you go out there, and it's a, it's a life-changing injury. Yeah. And also, I was I, – you know, I was uh, on weight, but I, I uh, you know, not being able to run, I was sitting at 190, mm-hmm. and I'm like, there's no way I can even start my cut. If I can't run I can't be mobile, I can't sweat. So I, it was painful, but I, I was like, all right, I'm going to follow the fight. Luckily, we had a guy at my, on our team that was ready for the fight. He won, and it was uh, it was crazy. But, you know, I, I did get a little upset in the beginning. You know, I, yeah. I've had some major injuries, but this one, like – you know I, I got a little upset by myself i feel like i let the injury win for a little bit you know i got kind of down in the dumps i was feeling real down about myself I'm like oh where's my career gonna go now like what's gonna happen you know not realizing this is just the path this is, yeah. this is how it is you know i may be an amateur getting hurt but look at all these t- look at johnny walker you know mm-hmm. that bull tore his shoulder doing a victory dance it's it's gonna happen Injuries, no fighter <laughs> yeah. ever goes into a fight 100 and i just have to realize that this yeah. will only make me better it'll only make me stronger mentally physically and I'll come back hungrier and meaner than ever. Yeah, I, I plan on having some fun fights when I come back because it just shows I need to get this going. I, I don't I I don't want to be 25, 26, and still an amateur. Like oh, next year, next year, next year. Mm-hmm. I need to sh- I need to show that I'm ready to make that jump. I'm ready to go out there and perform the way I know I can, I can perform. I've been slept on a lot of my career because of my record. And that's kind of a nice thing though, because everyone sleeps on me and everyone cuts yeah. me out and I'm to- I'm totally fine with being an underdog. I have no problem with that. On my topology, there's a ton of odds showing how people should just walk through me and I have fun proving them wrong. And I just know it's going to be the same way as a pro, but I'm getting better every single day I'm in here hurt or not. And I just know once I have those lights on me and I have that platform on me, I know one day I'll be a household name because of what I've had yeah. to go through because of the setbacks, because of, the constant push to be better, I know I, it'll be able to translate. You know, being able to be around these high-level guys, going to pro shows, being around these guys in the UFC, it mm-hmm. feels normal. It doesn't feel like, oh, oh, shit, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Oh, my God, look at this show. It it feels normal. I feel at home. And that's how I know that I'll be able to come. You know, anything thrown at me, I'll be able to overcome it. I've had a lot in my life where I've had to, you know, hike up yeah. the bootstraps and just and just you know, suck it up and deal with it. And that has made me mentally stronger and more physically stronger, That I, you know mm-hmm. I just know no matter what i'll I'll be able to fight. Nothing will ever deter me from wanting to fight
1: a hundred percent man and that's a that's the thing about guys like yourself, those before you, those that are coming after you, the ones that decide to to set the target as long as you stay focused, these are just bumps in the road exactly. to, yeah to to the path that you've already set your sights on yeah. you're ready. you so um all the power to you um you you mentioned the ufc a lot obviously as that's your target we got a pay-per-view this weekend that we got to do some main card picks on so uh if you don't mind we'd like you to to help us uh help us uh old ball bags do that as the as the skilled fighter in the on the chat here so let me bring it's got a oh yeah
2: it's got some super cool fights the one fight that i i i think's being a little slept on uh, funny enough, it's actually Caitlin Chu Kagan and uh, Marion. Uh, I think it's Faroe is her last name. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, a lot of female fights kind of get overlooked. But Manning Faroe, I'm a I'm a fan of her. Um, she's four and own the UFC. I think she's got two TKOs and two decisions. And as a female fight, I'm very excited to watch that because also you got Caitlin Chu Kagan, who is a vet in terms of being at strawweight and being at flyweight in the women's division. And she's only fought killers. You know, she's fought Jessica Andrade. She's fought former champions. Um, that's a fight I'm super excited about. I personally think in Faro, she's a hungry, hungry woman. And she's very ferocious. And you don't really see that a lot in, in female fighters. It's very select few. Like, you got Valentina Shevchenko. You got Joanna Janjacek. You got Rose Namajunas. Girls that train to their absolute max. And it's, it's you can see it in their fights. I like Caitlin Shukagan. I just, I just think Mandy Faroe is going to come out there and either TKO her maybe late in the third or she'll pull out a dominant victory, and I 100% see her fighting for a belt soon. She's on a high road right now, but mm-hmm. she's a giant test in front of her with Caitlin. It's, it's definitely a – I wouldn't call it a pick fight. I'd say it's a passing of the torch. Hmm. You know, if Caitlyn mm-hmm. wins this fight, I think she should get a title shot. I feel like they've been denying her title shots for a while now because she'll she'll fight a tough girl, she'll lose, and then she'll win three to four in a row. Or she'll win mm-hmm. two in a row over good contenders. But Manon Ferreau is, she, I think she, uh, I think she either debuted or she got called up from Contender Series. But she came in and immediately started making a statement. So it's fi- I, I pay attention to fighters like that. Fighters that come in and they're quiet. They're not making big waves. You know, they're not running their mouth. They just go in and they win their fights. I, I highly pay attention to go, to guys mm-hmm. like that, um, especially uh, with the next fight. I feel, I don't know if it's before or after, but Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady, that's that's a cool fight at 170. That's a pretty cool fight at 170. I think it's the first fight. I, I may have skipped one. It's, um, I think
0: that's actually the headlining prelim, I believe. Is, is it? Brady yeah. Oh, comments, really? Right? Yeah. So the, I thought that was the main card. Loaded. No, that's the, yeah. that's the that's the that's uh, the ESPN uh, closeout before the pay per view. Wow. You
1: know, you, you you
0: you mentioned your, your comments on the uh, the Chukagian fight, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I I I'm kind of leaning with you now. Um, I mean, my initial thought is that Chukagian is just this mm-hmm. veteran her who, 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 the puzzle to beat her is really tough she doesn't yeah. really have, bring any tools to the cage that's something extraordinary or something that jumps out at anybody but it's just her constant professionalism her ability to keep her distance uh, worker jabs worker punches not necessarily the violence that you that you talk about throughout uh, but um, so, I mean, I'm initially thinking Chikagian by decision because I've kind of been programmed by that,
1: mm-hmm. uh, by mm-hmm. how
0: she's managed to work through people. So now you've – I mean, I might stick with my pick just because I'm not going to change it coming in. Um, she, she's obviously a veteran who manages to pick apart people, but, but after hearing what you said – I'm definitely way more excited for this fight because if, no, there is it, a, if there is a prospect who comes in and shows dominating fashion over Chukagian, then there's no doubt you're talking about an ex-potential superstar in the sport.
2: And with Caitlin too, I mean, she's a vet. Look at who she's fought. You know, she's she's held down the number one spot for a minute now. Yeah. It's not like she's just like, oh, some ring fighter. She's been holding that spot and defending that spot for a while. So it really could be a pick em. I think there there could be, in terms of pressure – I think there's a lot of pressure on both ladies. You know, Manon Farrow is number six right now, and she got to the top five, the, the threshold of the top five very quick. Mm-hmm. So some could argue, like, maybe they're rushing her, and maybe she might not be ready. That's why this is such a tough test for her, because she's going from beating, you know, she fought Jennifer Maya, and she did really well. You know, stepping up from that level to immediately the number one ranked fighter mm-hmm. could be hard. But then again, you have Caitlin though, who I don't even, you know, actually, I don't even think there's pressure on her because she's been holding down that top five ranking for a solid minute now, mm. just going after girls, fighting tough guys. So in terms of my, of my pick, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep on, I think Marion could stop her late mm. or Caitlin's just going to you know show that veteran status, that, that giant resume of experience. And I think she'll decision her. It's, those are my yeah. either or, but I, I don't know. I, Part of me feels like Mar- Marion's gonna get it done. She has such high-level striking. I believe she has a boxing and Muay Thai background before even in May in Paris. So she's she's used to being in dogfights and she pushes the pace. So it's it's mm-hmm. gonna be a fun one.
1: Yeah, I'm leaning a uh, Chicagan by decision just because. As uh, I mean, as you saw in the stats there, that's the the bulk of her her wins are that way. And, and again, she's yeah. kind of got seniority. So, um, but this next one is actually more of a. T- uh, I mean. I like I like it's not more of a coin toss to me uh, Benil Darius versus uh, Matias Gamrat um not so much of a coin toss as to as because I like both fighters but um I, I was I was doing my homework today I saw Gamrat he held two titles over at KSW so I'm that, kind of yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: a big fan of Mateus. you know it's funny enough I remember uh, when he debuted in the UFC sorry I'm plugging my phone in you know he fought uh well, who was it? It was, uh, kuta, Oh my God. It was, uh, I can't, I'm going to butcher his name trying to say it, but it was, it was, uh, Kamzat Chimayev's teammate. Uh, Oh my God. I can't even remember his name
0: or I remember, Kut- I know Kut- kuta or something yeah, like
2: Kutaladze, that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Kuta ladze but that fight was an absolute banger. The fact that one, it was their debuts, but Kuta ladze had to fight a, a former two division champion in, in, uh, you know, in that fight. The biggest thing that I want to take away from it is he went out there and achieved a very, very nice resume outside of the UFC. Gamrot fought tough dudes. It's not like he was fighting schlubs. European competition is is pretty high up there. Now, looking at who he's fighting, you know, I don't know. I I really like Benil Daryush. I like him as a person. I like him as a fighter. I, I do think, though, he's, you know, he's fought some of the who's who's but unfortunately what I've seen is when he, it comes to him fighting young up and comers or guys on the come up, you know, I, I think the, the durability factor comes into play. You know, everyone's talking about how he just fought Tony and I, you know, that's a good win. That's a good notch in the belt. Tony Ferguson is awesome. An awesome win on anyone's resume. But personally, I think he fought Tony on Tony's way out. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of where the fight can go, first of all, the grappling aspect, people are not even understanding, uh, 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 oh, my gosh. I'm what, How do you say his first name? Is it Mateus? Yeah, Mateus. Mm-hmm. He is a, he's a, a jiu-jitsu black belt in himself, and he has an insane pedigree in jiu-jitsu. Most of his wins are by submission. So on the ground, he presents a bigger threat to Benil than most guys have. It's, mm-hmm. It might even cancel itself out. So I'm actually kind of hoping that both of them don't even try and engage in grappling, and we see what striking they can pull off. Mm-hmm. Mateus Gamrat showed good striking when he fought Armand Sarukian, which then again, too – you know, he just beat Armand Sarukian, who's a very tough young kid who's been plowing through the division, you know, fought Islam in his debut. I'm I'm gonna stick with Gamra on that pick. I like Benil. I just think that's another passing of the torch moment. We're mm. truly starting to see the next generation of yeah. top 15, top five guys entering their way into the UFC. And I, you know, again, I like Benil. I I just think yeah. I just think he's I don't know. I don't want to say he's going to get destroyed, but I, I don't. If it goes all three, I see him starting to kind of weather down toward the second and third round only because you're going from Tony Ferguson to Mateus Gomorrah, so the mm-hmm. pace will be immediately hyped up. It's going to be a way faster pace, way harder scrambles. It's going to be a way harder clinch battle on the feet. We're going to see how Benil does. He's been cracked a few times. I think the mm-hmm. biggest knockout loss in his career that kind of changed a few things for him. Was when he fought Edson, I, you know you, and then uh, I think it was Alexander Hernandez, you know, debuted on short notice and knocked Benil out. So I don't want to say his chin could be cracked. I think it's been weathered down, and I, I don't know. I if I'm got, if I'm if I'm Mateus, I want to keep the fight standing as much as I can, staying outside of the pocket, using my range, and force Benil to get uncomfortable and shoot because mm-hmm. it's when guys shoot on Mateus. He's able to use that top pressure and that top game incredibly well. So mm. I'm excited for that fight. I'm going to go with Mateus on that one.
0: Yeah, I'm leaning the same way. I tend to, um, you know, Darius's borderline title. I mean, if he wins this, he's probably the next in line for a title oh, shot. Or he, at least he should. He should, be. should, he he should, should be, be based off his resume. The history of this sport doesn't look kindly on guys, though, that have to continually try to fight to win, to get a title shot. We saw it with Tony Ferguson going for an actual belt. Um, uh, going back George, uh, um, had a big winning streak years and years ago. Um, actually when Joe Stevenson and those guys were, were running the, the, the lightweight division. Um, I, I So I, I tend to think your time just comes up. He's on a seven-fight winning streak. You don't hear of a lot of eight, nine-fight, ten-fight winning streaks in the UFC. Um, and, and he's fighting a young up-and-coming guy um, who had a loss a few fights ago, which is probably best for his career. He came into the UFC undefeated. He gets that yeah. loss out of the way. He's been able to yeah. establish himself in a couple fights. Got has nice quick finishes over guys like Jeremy Stevens, who – is a tough fight no matter who's in the cage with him. Um, so I'm leaning Gamrot as well. I think a decision. I think Darius is durable enough probably to avoid a big a big strike knockout finish. might get hurt, might get dropped, might get grinded out. Uh, but yeah. I, I tend to lead Gamrot. But, it, I mean, even at Darius at number six, if he wins this fight, I think it's a little bit of a disgrace if he's not in the next. I think he should get the next title fight if he wins this fight.
2: Well, did you see they immediately gave it to Bulk? So they said uh, that no matter what, the winner of this lightweight title, Volkanovski is going to go up and take that, which me and Mason were talking about it. I'm a big Volkanovski fan, but I don't see him beating Islam or Charles. Mm -hmm. One, both guys are way bigger. Mm -hmm. And they are just – I don't know how to explain it. They're a little more accoladed in terms of who they've been fighting. You know, Alexander, he's been fighting some super tough dudes, but to go up right now to 55, which is probably the most shark-filled division, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a tall order. So we'll see. And then – Charles was saying that if he wins, he'll fight Alex. And then he even wants to go back to 45 and take Alex's belt. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Charles should ever try and make 45 again. He's has problems thinking 55, but we'll see. I, I don't like that. They're kind of slumping Benny like that, but, you
0: know, yeah. hopefully he gets a crazy win and he'll have to be next. So that's mm-hmm. the thing. That's the thing. If he shows out the weekend, then then they, they yeah, can not be, be yeah. so,
1: John, I'm curious for this next one with, uh, with O'Malley and Yanka, especially since you just said you spent some time training at O'Malley with O'Malley. Um, Does that kind of uh, factor into your decision on this one?
2: You know, yes, but no, I, Sean O'Malley, you know, as much as he talks and, and does all that, that guy's good. Yeah. He is good. I've seen him train in person. He is good. He's well-rounded. He has good mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu. He's got good wrestling. He's got good striking. Here's the, here's the deal, though.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, in terms of guys he's fought, you know, he had Pedro Munoz, which was a little bit of a disappointing outing. But to be completely honest, he hasn't been fighting super tough dudes on his little rise right now. Um, the Chris Montinho fight, uh, Ryland Pava, like, he's been kind of – I don't want to say his record's padded. I'm not saying that at all. These are mm-hmm. still elite-level guys in the UFC. But he hasn't touched anyone that has been through these top 15, top five waters. And as good as he is, let's be honest, Peter Yan is a is a fucking killer. Yeah. Um, by far, I would say one of the scariest guys at Bantamweight. I think he presents a tough test for anyone. Even with both Aljo fights, he presented a tough test. Yeah. Uh, my dream fight, me and Mason were saying, I would love to see him fight TJ. Here's oh, yeah. how this fight That's goes to thought, me. Yeah. Either O'Malley is going to just show everybody he really is that good, and it's going to be some crazy fanatic finish, or Peter Jan is going to use his veteran status in terms of he's been fighting some of the best guys, even coming up in the UFC. He's been fighting, I mean, Jose Aldo, Uriah Faber, taking out le- – not just beating them, taking out legends mm-hmm. in the sport. And for O'Malley to kind of – what is he ranked right now? He's ranked number – uh Hold on, I like think it, 13, it 12? On What is he? He's uh, he's uh, 11.
0: He's number... They got him at 11. Ele- yeah,
2: so a number 11 <laughs> going against number 1. You know, a lot of people are upset because mm. they're like, "Oh, why is he getting such a big jump?" But to be real, not everyone's really lined up to fight Peter Jan. Mm-hmm. I I just think that if it goes past the opening rounds, like in terms of like late late round 1, yeah. late round 2, I have Peter all day. Mm. Uh, You know, it's going to be in the opening sequence where O'Malley is most dangerous, when he's able to be flashy, when he's able to be quick, and his gassing's at 100%, not saying he has no cardio. I I just think Peter Jan's going to go out there and dismantle a lot of what O'Malley claims he's going to do. But again, it's 50-50. O'Malley Mm. can come out there and slump him with something crazy. Yeah. I I just think, you know, in terms of saying he's going to be humbled, I don't want to say that. I just think, he might really get a really tough test put in front of him. And this might be a fight where he might not do as well as he has, and he has to go back to the drawing board. He might have to kind of reevaluate his level in terms of, you know, who he's fighting. I think if he does lose this fight, he needs to go back and start taking smart fights. But they need to be fights that make sense. They're not, you know, low-level contenders or or entry-level guys. Because let's be real, if he makes through Peter Jan, if, if he beats Peter Jan, and he has guys in front of him like Dillashaw, like, like uh, Aljo, you know, he can say he'll beat these guys all day, but he, he just hasn't fought that level yeah. yet. So I, I'm going to go with Peter. I, I, yeah. I'm just going to be biased and say, you know, experience is going to yeah. win this fight. You know, you know, you, you can, again, same as an amateur, you can fight all these guys, but if you're not fighting tough dudes, it's not making you a better fighter.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. And and uh, just to, copy your answer, I mean, but the only thing I'm adding is I just feel like Peter Jan's meaner. I just feel he's like he's mean. mean. <laughs> he's mean as hell. Yeah. He, I think, he's, I think definitely...
0: he's, yeah, he's mean, and he's going to be angry for this fight. There's a yeah. lot on the line for Peter Jan. Mm-hmm. He's lost two out of his last three fights, given the one was a disqualification. Um, he was kind of embarrassed by Sterling in their last fight. Yeah. If, you know. Um, and I, so I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to boat race O'Malley. I think he's going to pound O'Malley out. I think it's going to be a fight that might not be good for Sean O'Malley's future career. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we talk about guys taking beatings. You talk about the difference between amateur and pro where a referee, yeah, like you take one. Um, yes. If, if, if O'Malley, I, I, I hope it's a good fight, but I think Yon might, might, Do a you know a a Brown versus Young Wonder Boy kind of thing? Mm. Exactly,
2: exactly, exactly. He's gonna. I think I feel like people are saying all the pressure's on him, but there's really not a lot of pressure on him. I mean, if anything, the pressure's on O'Malley. Not on O'Malley. You know, he really doesn't have anything to lose. He has everything to gain. But you know, for Peter Yan, you're right. He's on a two fight skid, and he wants to reclaim that he's the true champion. Mm. And that's a that's a fire really no one can put out. I think if O'Malley gets cracked a few times, some good shots. It's going to be a different ball game for him. I, I, I truly think it's going to be a very hard test in front of him.
0: The co-main event uh, title fight, uh, the just mentioned Algermaine Sterling, TJ Dillashaw, one of the former champions. Um, I've mentioned on the show several times. I'm a huge fan of TJ Dillashaw. I was there when he beat uh, Henan Burrell, shocked the world at, at uh, UFC 170. Um, I, I ever since then, I, I've really been. Kind of riding his coattails as far as a fan. I know he has issues with the PED thing there. Anybody who's also heard me talk about PEDs, it's not something that I, I'm old school. It happens. I, you know, we can talk off camera about how many people we think might be yeah. on PEDs, but um, but I, I'm I, I'm going with I'm going with TJ Dillashaw. I'm a, I'm a fan boy. Um, I'm yeah. going with Dillashaw. I think he's I think he's more skilled. Uh, fighter. I think Sterling has a path to victory. Um I think it's a boring path to victory if he's able to wrestle it and really really uh stifle Dillashaw, but I think Dillashaw's movement and striking ability um and, and we've seen Sterling, you know, Marius took his head off with a kick. I feel like Dillashaw's got yeah. too many angles and, and too much pop in his punch and kicks where eventually he doesn't land something that staggers Sterling and potentially leads to maybe like a fourth round TKO finish. Yeah,
2: so you know, it sucks because I, I you know, with, with TJ, it really does suck that he he took the route he did in terms of, of his of his PED use. The one thing though, as a person, you know, that kind of makes me judge the character a little bit but the one thing I don't care, you know, you can do, you know, John Jones, et cetera. You can cheat. That is what it is. And you can take performance enhancing drugs, but I will never take away your skills as an athlete. Mm -hmm. You know, steroids don't give you skills, skills, you know, training gives you skills. And for TJ, he, you know, he came into the UFC as a D one wrestler where that, that let him dominate so many fights, but then he hooked up with Dwayne and Everything changed. You know, in Vegas, they are Dwayne Bang style Muay Thai out there, and that style of Muay Thai, like you know, I you know, Tarek Safiedine, he teaches Dutch style, and that's really aggressive. It's it's really you know, it's it's a more aggressive style of Muay Thai and Dutch boxing with Bang style, the angles, the movement, the footwork, hiding shots behind certain counters. TJ has gotten so good at that that right now, I don't think anyone's gonna be able to match that creativity of striking. And in terms of going back to Aljo, you know, these are two wrestlers, if you will. But look at Aljo. Aljo uh, shot 20, 22 takedown attempts on Peter in the last fight. Only two landed. And Peter isn't really known for his wrestling. He's known for his amazing Muay Thai. Well, what's going to happen when Aljo is shooting after shot, after shot, after shot against a guy like TJ, who not only has crippling striking, but has a D1 NCAA All-American background? TJ can do it all. And I think you're right. I think if, T- if Aljo tries to make it that, that grind you out, cage, you know, cage fighting uh, or, or fence battling kind of style he has, I don't think that's going to boast well for him. I think mm. his style in terms of his stand-up just doesn't bode well for him with TJ. Because, again, when you go back to when Marlon Morais took his head off with that kick, those are the kind of angel- angles TJ looks for. It. He goes low with his feints. He comes up high with his kicks. Uh, he has a switch counter right hook that I have not seen anyone perfect besides him. He gets off the center line, he planks his feet, boom. Mm-hmm. That right hook comes at you from an angle that you just can't see. And Aljo, he just kind of stands there a little stiff. I'm not saying his striking isn't that good, but you know, I know he has Marab. I know he has, he has Dennis Pazukia. I know he has Alaya Quinta. But let's be real, none of those guys can imitate TJ. No one can imitate movement like that. No one can imitate striking and fight IQ like that. I, I think TJ is going to get that belt back. I think it's either going to be a five-round war where it's TJ dominating or he's going to stop him. I, I just see TJ getting his title back.
1: Well, this, this is where our coastal uh, uh, proximities <laughs> come, come into play with my pick. I, mean, we I know, just, we I were, know. We just had a, a, last, a last podcast that we had a Ron Rivers, who actually trained with, with Al Sterling when he was getting started. On the last oh, yeah? podcast that we did, so you know, uh, there's a uh, six degrees of separation or with the New York, New Jersey uh, jujitsu community. So it's hard for me to root against Aljo. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm not picking against him, but uh, I mean, I, I definitely could see where you why you all uh, are and, fighting with Dillashaw. Who's I mean, yeah. technically he's on that boss rootin' lineage because of the you know the the yeah. bang Ludwig wig and everything yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, the striking, yeah. I know that comes from from Boss's uh, style of striking, which I'm a yeah. boss rootin' guy too, but. You know, I got I Aljo
2: still I, dangerous though. Yeah. Aljo is a big 35er. I actually watch his YouTube channel a lot. He's a big boy for 35. I'm not going to lie, I highly anticipate seeing him move into 45 uh, it, soon, you know, eventually in his career. He's a big Bantamweight. wave. Um, yeah. you know, he uh, Mason met TJ Dillashaw a while ago. This is when he was an amateur and they were trying to do like a little like mini amateur docu series. You know, TJ's short, but he's stocky. He's a big mm-hmm. dude. TJ looks big right now, too. But Aljo is a frame, height, width, et cetera. He's a big dude for the division. So when he was on Peter Jan's back, when he was, you know, having those exchanges on the ground, I bet it was still a fight for Peter. And I know it's going to be a fight for TJ. It's going to be about who has the better IQ on the ground, in the wrestling, in the jujitsu, jitsu Because Aljo's jiu-jitsu is still incredibly dangerous. Look what he did to Sanhagen, who's on a tear right now, who just dominated Sonya Dong, who went the distance with TJ and arguably won that fight. Aljo does have some tricks up his sleeve, so I'm I'm excited. I think TJ is going to win, but I'm not going to be surprised if Aljo pulls out some crate, something cool and slick out of his bag. You know yeah. that, that's the one thing I'll never sleep on Aljo for is he has slick jujitsu.
1: So yeah. I, and I love
2: I love jujitsu like that. You know everyone says jujitsu is boring, but guys that are constantly attacking subs. And yeah, it's only totally boring if you don't know like,
1: what you're watching. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> uncultured. Exactly. The uncultured, exactly.
1: Yeah. The uncultured. Uh, main event time. Uh, this one, I mean, it's for the unclaimed uh, lightweight title. I mean, I don't know, man, I got I'm a lot so of opinions on, on this. it. <laughs> I'm you so mean?
2: stumped on this. Cause here's the deal on this one. I think all the pressure is honestly on Islam. And the reason being mm-hmm. is now every bit of eyes, no one's talking about Khabib anymore in terms of activity. It's all back on Islam. Yeah. And, you know, that was their whole game plan. When Khabib leaves, it's Islam's time. And Islam has beat super good dudes in the division. But if we go back to Ch- – Not, Not Oliveira. Not <laughs> Oliveira. I got my box coach right here saying <laughs> Oliveira's going to take it, which is bringing me to that. Oliveira has been put through the trenches. He has been in the UFC – but way longer than Islam. He has the most career finishes, the most UFC finishes. Also, he just stomped three top five killers back-to-back in their prime. Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, uh, Dustin Poirier, in their prime. And it's it's funny. The one thing I say about Oliveira is with Oliveira, it's a stressful time watching him because he'll be losing, and then he wins. But mm-hmm. the thing that I yep. would put in terms <laughs> of pros and cons, right? It's scary. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Islam is good. Islam is dangerous on the ground. He's beat guys like Dan Hooker. He's beat guys like Bobby Green. He's dangerous. He is a mauler in terms of his strength and his athleticism, using that Dagestani wrestling, using that hard nose training style. But Charles is just a veteran. I can't count him out. But I'm going to be interested to see how this plays on the feet for Islam. Because let's say Charles, later Jerry, let's say Islam is able to you know, maybe push the pace – and start working on takedowns. Charles can wrestle. Charles can defend takedowns. Charles can be mean from those positions. So if it stays standing, I'm gonna give Charles striking the advantage. But if it goes to the ground, I'm very anxious to see
0: mm-hmm.
2: which physicality plays better. Because I know, I know for a fact, Islam's got to be strong as fuck. It's a great way. I to mean, he's it. like, look at who he's training with in terms of having khabib <laughs> on him. But then again, you, you just can't count Charles out. And the biggest thing going for him is the hype of he just stomped three of the best contenders to ever walk through the lightweight division, back to back, finishing them. He didn't just beat them, he finished them, and he made it look like a hard time. I I, I don't know who I can pick. If Islam wins the title, I think he'll have some tough matches ahead of him. If If Oliveira wins and reclaims the title, I won't be upset by it. It's, it's, it's a pick em. I I just can't pick my headphones just died you might get some background noise i just can't pick i i truly think this is gonna be probably one of the best lightweight fights Mm. in ufc history there's so much potential for it because either they're gonna stand there and Mm. one of them's gonna go down because they don't want to grapple or it's gonna be an amazing display of wrestling and jujitsu and just all around mma
0: i i really don't know who to pick I, i cannot i cannot pick one i i'm leaning Mokchayev. um I think you mentioned the Poirier, you mentioned Chandler, you mentioned um, uh, Gagey. All three of those guys' path to victories on the feet. Mm. All three of those guys didn't want any part of Oliveira on the ground, and rightfully so. I think this is the first guy that Oliveira is going to fight in a very long time <laughs> who's going to want to be on top of him on yeah, the ground. And exactly. Who's, and, and who's going to be willing to dish out punishment from the position and look for so, submissions on Oliveira. So I, I lean, I lean Mokchayev. Um I actually yeah. think I- I'm actually picking. I'll pick him to finish like third round. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually lands some kind of submission after he beats up Oliveira because we have seen Oliveira fade in the past. He's been rebounding on the feet lately. I just don't think he gets back to the feet this time. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's I agree <sighs> with that.
0: But I-, I think
2: the thing that Islam needs to understand too if he shouldn't get comfortable playing that stand game with Oliveira, because mm-hmm. the one thing I've noticed is Oliveira is really starting to hone into that power at 55. Uh, yeah. I know he subbed sub- Justin Gaethje, but to crack Justin Gaethje, let yeah. alone knock down Justin Gaethje, that's a feather in the cap. And then mm-hmm. to go through and knock out Michael Chandler, who honestly was winning that entire fight.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't, there's so many so, weapons this guy's going to utilize.
1: Yeah. I mean, really quick, because I, I, we're already going over the hour, but, you mentioned something that I already have in my notes about, about just the durability of Oliveira. The way he gets to his wins is almost it's almost risking losing. And yeah. I feel I feel like if Makachev can capitalize on that, that's how Makachev wins. Um listen, uh that's an early card. First bell's at ten a.m. Main card's at two two p.m. all eastern time. Um, mm-hmm. I know you guys are three hours behind me. But um in in the evening, UFC Fight Pass has one of your boys fighting. So yes, if you sir. want to plug that real quick before we uh, wrap it up, by all means, go right ahead. Yeah, uh,
2: you got go to go on the lookout for Trevor Wells. He's an up and coming flyweight right now. He's seven and three as a pro. He's fighting for Uriah Faber's A One Combat. You can catch that on uh, UFC Fight Pass. Um, we got a we got a few guys in our gym right now that are making some waves, and they're finally t- starting to scratch that surface. Uh, Trevor beats this guy. That'll put him at eight and three as a pro. And as a flyweight, that's a great record. The UFC needs flyweights. And the cool thing about Trevor is he does not care who he gets offered. He will fight anybody. Uh, he's a, uh, an absolute dog in the gym. He is as durable as they come. He's not afraid to stand there with you. He's not afraid to wrestle with you. Uh, it's definitely an exciting prospect fight to watch out for. And then uh, my, head co- my new head coach uh, over these last two years, Jefferson Creighton, he's fighting for stellar fights over in Maryland. Uh, he's 5-2-1 right now. He actually just fought for uh, Coastal uh, Uriah Faber's A1 Combat. Mm. He uh, fought for their inaugural welterweight title and got a draw, which didn't make any sense because he beat the hell out of the guy. <laughs> um, another guy to look out for at 170 right now, uh, making waves. But, yeah, if you're if you're looking to watch some fights, you can watch stellar fights on UFC Fight Pass, or you can watch uh, Uriah Faber's A1 Combat. You can watch either Trevor Wells, Jefferson Creighton. Um, it's going to be some good fights. It's definitely mm. going to be – a very fun pace to watch it. They're their fight. They're a uh, fan friendly fights. It's it's action the entire time. There's no boringness inside of it.
1: Nice.
0: And it, if, it just if, like... any, if any of the local fans, uh, Southern California fans are listening or watching Trevor's fight for a one combat is the first time your eye favors come down to Southern California. So yep. that'll be at the commerce casino uh, in commerce. Oh, LA, yeah. Co- LA County. So oh, yeah. it so is a so semi-local true. fight for uh, anybody that might want to get out and see it, uh, see it face to face. John,
1: before uh, Matt takes us out, why don't you let folks know where they can follow you, uh, where your next uh, fights are and uh, announcement stuff next? Yeah, I mean, uh, really, I'm mainly active
2: on Instagram. Uh, My Instagram's underscore JB170 with another underscore. Uh, I post a lot of my stuff on there. I have my Twitter. It's at JB or it's at J Brumley MMA. When my next fight is, I'm hoping to step back in the cage by January. Uh, if anything, I'm looking to probably fight again with Epic, uh, that's most likely what's going to happen. I'm really trying to gun for a state title shot. If I keep beating guys the way I'm beating them, but fighting in California, you know, has its downsides <laughs> they have wins over here and that sucks. I hate that. So <laughs> I might be looking at going to Texas. Uh, we have a, a, a buddy, one of our old training partners, who's a matchmaker right now for MFC. It's a up and coming pro-am show over, over in Texas. And they honestly have some super tough competition over there. It's day before weigh-ins, you know, uh, it's four ounce gloves. So it's a bit more risky, but Mm -hmm. it's that elevated level of danger and excitement that I want as a fighter. Um, So I don't know. We're, we're going to see if, if I'm not fighting in California, I'll be fighting in Texas, but no matter what I'm looking to hopefully step in there. If not late December, January, I'm looking to fight two to three more times as an amateur. And then I'm definitely gonna be making my pro debut by summer of 2023. I would like to fight three times as a pro uh, coming next year. Mm -hmm. I, I, by 26, 27, uh, I'll be right at that doorstep for the Contender Series or the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I promise, I'm a fun guy to watch. I I truly give everything to this sport. Uh, it's it's the only thing I know. I, I I only know fighting. Um, and it's it's been gracious to me. It's humbled me. It's humiliated me. I I'm excited to know that once I'm on that stage, I feel like I'll be a fan favorite, and people will want to watch me because I I don't play any any kind of BS. I'm there to fight. You know, I'm not going to talk trash to you. I'm not going to, you know, really get into anything. I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to try and take your head off.
0: As it awesome be. well we'll be watching and i can't imagine anybody that's listened to the, or watch this podcast won't be following your career as it unfolds here um fans can check out the show at combat hour on twitter coast to coast combat hour on instagram follow me matthew hawkins at MMA Hawk 21 on twitter and instagram you can follow ed at carbazol on twitter carbierzol on instagram and old head carb on twitch john thank you for your time also, check out our show again at allaccessmma.com. Check out allaccessmma.com for our video podcast and MMA news and stories. John, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Look forward to watching how your uh, your story unfolds over the next uh, several years. And uh, and and definitely want to have you on again uh, when, when oh, that yeah. fight, love fight comes up. This
2: is the first time I've ever done a podcast, and this is honestly the coolest thing to me. I've, I've, <laughs> I've always wanted to be on one of these, so I thank you guys much for giving me the opportunity to come on here and let me run my mouth i'm really good at talking so it felt normal but this was uh, the coolest time of my life so thank you so much for having me on i was super excited
1: thank you we'll see you soon
2: oh yeah good night thanks for listening everyone